This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's National Disability Employment Awareness Month. People with disabilities are significantly underrepresented in the workplace. You know that. The actual number? The employment rate for persons with disabilities is 59.4%, according to Stats Canada. That's well below the national average. Creating a more inclusive workforce starts right from the hiring process. Denis Boudreau is putting together a blog series on inclusive leadership. Denis is the founder of Inclusive Communication. Hey, good morning, Denis. Nice to chat with you once again. Good morning. Happy to be here. So, Denis, starting very broadly, what takeaways could be made about a company based on how inclusive their hiring process is? Well, either it breaks or, or makes it. Uh, it certainly speaks quite a bit to their commitment to diversity. I mean, so that would be that would be one obvious thing uh, that that comes to mind. Um, how you perceive that brand also as someone who is trying to apply for a position uh, certainly would also uh, be be a significant takeaway from from your experience trying to uh, to to secure a position with that company. Um, from from the position of of people working there, uh, recognition of ta- like very diversified talents. Um, not everyone fitting the same mold kind of thing is also a very interesting aspect. Um, a good takeaway might also be uh, related to, say, you know, risk mitigation from a legal standpoint also. Uh, bad reputational, uh, you know, reputational damage or bad press. Um, and, then, and then I would say also from the perspective of those who already work there, Again, a bit of a commitment um, increase, and and probably also uh, some some engagement and and productivity gains because you feel you feel like you belong, you feel like you want to be part of something very positive in that way. So that influences people in in generally. So I would say all those things are, are pretty good takeaways uh, from having a a more inclusive hiring process. Zinni, there's a real A to Z when it comes to what the hiring process includes. If you start right from that letter A, step A in the process, that's the job ad. What mistakes are companies making with simply the jobs they're posting? I feel like I want to mention, like do a reference to Lord of the Rings right now, slightly different, but I mean, if you have like one path to sort them all, it's not going to work, really. So, um, you know, inaccessible formats, um, inaccessible job ads, uh, where where you are providing information that in, in formats that are not accessible, for instance. You might have your entire uh, job ad as a PDF. If the PDF is not accessible to people, it sends a pretty clear message that you didn't think about something like that. Um, if you, um, if you're not accounting for any kind of accommodation that people might need in terms of, you know, the way that they might consume that information, the way that they might even understand the information that is provided to them in that job ad are all ways in which, in which that can, that can break. Um, if the language that you're using is, uh, is hard to understand, if it's too vague or if it's too, 
complex, if it's even too vague about inclusion, for instance, it's not really saying much about that aspect. Um, that might send a couple of red flags also. Mm. Um, if the process itself is super complex and super complicated, also it's going to discourage people from even applying. Um, yeah, things like that are certainly some of the the issues or the the mistakes that people make uh, when they're not accounting for uh, diversity and, and inclusion in their in their hiring process. Yeah, when I think about complexity, I think about the click through process, right? When it's when mm -hmm. it says, "Okay, go here to apply," so then you click on that link, and then it takes you to another generalized page, and it's, "Oh, what job number posting are you looking for?" And then you punch that in, and then it takes you to another click through page, and all of a sudden you've had to click through six, seven, eight websites. And if you're using a screen reader, I mean, come on, at what point are you going to give up on that? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it, it makes everything very complicated for a lot of people. And again, you know, it, it sort of speaks pretty clearly to if trying to secure a job in that organization is that difficult, how difficult is it going to be once I work there if I ever get the job? Mm -hmm. And and you know, that would feel pretty disheartening to begin with as well. So yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Denny, diving a little deeper into the job posting itself, uh, one of the sections that always strikes me as interesting is the job requirements section, uh, especially when you get these uh, entry-level positions that need uh, 10 years of experience. Uh, it kind of, that one always kind of baffles me a little bit. But in this industry, in the media broadcast industry, uh, there's the one that says uh, driver's license. You know, you've always got to have a driver's license, even if you're working in a city like Toronto or Montreal. It doesn't matter if there's a metro it doesn't matter if there's public transit no 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 you must have a driver's license so how can a company maybe handle the job requirements section with a little more nuance or a softer touch so, you know again it, it goes back to being aware of what you're asking and the kind of pressure that it puts on the candidates uh, that could apply you know you're, you're talking about that that driver's license um it's a great example. Another great example would be, you know, asking for a certain degree when the job doesn't really require it. Um, I mean, we, I, I, I kind of get it. I mean, people want to get the absolute best candidates that they can for the positions, but you know, they some they, they sometimes they often ask for way more than what is really required for the job, which is also then discouraging for some people. And and you don't get you don't get as much variety in terms of, of who applies. And it tends to always lead to having candidates that sort of fit that same mold again. So you're not like you're working against the very idea of a diverse workforce, diverse workforce as a result of that. Uh, you know, if you instead of, of you know asking for these unreasonable things or things that are maybe not completely important to the position if you you know you prioritize the essential skills i mean what are the things that you really need to be able to do i mean that is important obviously and and that should be a factor upon which you determine whether someone should get the job or not mm. um again using inclusive language as you're doing this also i mean how are you presenting this information are you presenting in a way that you know feels like inclusion is part of those core values if you know if, if inclusion is a core value obviously um being clear about flexibility also through this not everyone works in the exact same um you know format so to speak um speaking to the the, the flexibility of maybe working from home or 
having the ability to work with your own equipment, for instance, like these different things are certainly going to make a difference in people's ability to do that. And also be clear about accommodations. I mean, if you, if you, again, through the entire job ad, there's nothing that speaks to any kind of disposition towards having that flexibility, then a lot of people would just say, this is not for me mm. and, and move on to something else. And then you as an organization might be losing a you know, fantastic talent that just won't come to you because you closed the door in their faces right before they could even start. Denise, so many times in the job seeking process, there's a lot of onus put on the job seeker rather than the company itself. But when it comes to inclusion, what can companies do about being proactive with their outreach? You mean through the, uh, before, you, oh, okay, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of, in terms of, of recruiting, um, you know, you want to, you probably want to explore other areas. Um, if, if all you do is always go and search for candidates in the same places, you will find the same kind of candidates. It's kind of like I, I, something I wrote in that blog post. Um, like if you, if you always fish in the same pond, you can't really expect to find new fish at some point. So you're always going to get the same kind of fish, right? So one of the things that I was mentioning in that post, among other things, is, you know, get involved with organizations out there that help people with disabilities find jobs and, and you know, get involved with those organizations, contribute to what they're doing, get in touch with them, participate to their events, for instance, have a kiosk over there, like a booth or something, and then go in and meet them where they are. You are going to attract a lot more of those talents if you're even showing up over there. I mean, it clearly means that you you care. So those are all, uh, you know, ways that in which you can you can certainly uh, certainly help with with you know finding new new uh, new talents, new mm. places to, to find those talents. And okay, we've gotten through the outreach side, we've gotten through the job posting side. Let's say the company has figured out a way to make that process more inclusive. They've got a more diverse group of people applying for the jobs, and now they're entering the interview period to secure the job. What can an organization do during that interview period to continue to demonstrate the commitment to inclusion? Well, again, I think the very first one is you know, being clear about the fact that accommodations are possible, that you just need to mention what it is that you need in terms of accommodation to, to have a successful interview uh, with them or go through a successful interview process. Um, having flexibility in the way that these interviews can be conducted also. Not everyone could easily you know, drive over to the location. So can you offer that virtually or remotely, for instance? Can you uh, can you make sure, I mean, I mean, not so much what you, what you can make sure, but really, are you, if you're going to claim that you are a very inclusive and diverse organization that values inclusivity in that sense, you could also make sure that, you know, in the interview process, not everyone is male and old and white, for instance. Like you could have variety there, also diversity, so that um, people can recognize themselves a little bit easier. And again, it sort of helps with feeling like you might belong in, in a place like that. Um, being very mindful and, and, 
and clear about the language that you use. Again, I mean, it's it's true at every single step of the process, obviously, but maybe particularly so once you are sitting in front of the interviewer to hear language that reinforces that this is a good place for you and not a place where you might be gaslit or, or you know just just prejudiced against as you may have been in the past in other places that didn't really care about accessibility or or inclusion for instance mm-hmm. so some of, some of are those are the things that come to mind in order to make the person feel you know like this is a good place for them Denis, uh we are over time we're out of time got to get out of here thank you for your time this morning have a great day thank you thank you have a good day that is Denis boudreau the founder of inclusive communication in 60 seconds There was some rumbling and shaking around Vancouver Island. Alex Smythe will have it in the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo. Oh, it's not Karen Rebo. It's Rob Westgate this morning with your Morning Business Minute. Bay Street dipped lower Friday, being pulled south by sagging performances from the utilities, technology, and battery metals sectors. Toronto's S&P TSX losing 37 points to 19,463. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 39 points to settle at 33,670, while the Nasdaq fell 167 points down to 13,407. Asian markets are starting the week on a down note, with Japan's Nikkei plummeting 657 points to 31,659. Credit Canada says when it comes to affordable mortgages, you'd be best to shop around. The CEO for oil sands giant Suncor is clarifying his company is still committed to decarbonizing, and Canada's pot industry is hoping a government review will lessen the turmoil the sector is facing. As for the loony, it's trading at 73.33 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. Thank you very much, Rob. Let's find out what's happening in the world of weather with Alex Smythe. Alex, things got a little shaky around Vancouver Island. Yeah, Dave. So uh, we're going to be focusing in on an earthquake that was recorded off the coast of Vancouver Island last night. Uh, a 4.9 magnitude earthquake was recorded about a, uh, just under 200 kilometers away from Port Hardy. And Port Hardy, for those who are unaware, is located on the northwestern side of Vancouver Island, right to the northern tip. And so Earthquakes Canada said that there was no tsunami risks or, or any other concerns stemming from this quake, which is positive news. The one thing is this quake follows a series of over 30 tremors that took place in September through a span of three or four days. And it was right in that same area. And part of why that area is so volatile is because there's three different tectonic plates that are all interacting with each other in that area. So you have the Pacific plate, you have the Juan de Fuca Strait uh, uh, plate, and you have the North American plate. And they all shift and rub and make contact with each other. And that's what's causing these earthquakes and tremors. So while there is no news that there is uh, any concerns from the earthquake, it's never really all that positive or it's a little bit concerning when you you do have news of an earthquake, regardless of uh, the low after effects from it. 
It's just a, a bit concerning to have it happen so frequently in that area. That's why they have earthquake drills at Vancouver schools and Seattle schools and BC and Washington and Oregon schools because of all that tectonic activity. Coming up after the break, a new documentary on Netflix explores the dirty truth about your food. Amy Amanti has a review of Poisoned. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.